Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, we break down the penultimate preseason game for Winnipeg, plus some NHL award predictions. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, good to be back at it here on a chilly October evening. And I'm not saying that because my furnace isn't working. It's cold as hell outside, but that means hockey's right around the corner here. So we could deal with it for a, a few more days here. But hopefully the, the furnace man comes by tomorrow and, and saves my life. Um, but only one more game to go in the Winnipeg Jets preseason, as you heard in the intro there. By the way, if you want to sound pretentious or smart, penultimate is, is my favorite word to accomplish that. Uh, but we'll break down the second final game for the Jets in the exhibition schedule for looking a bit ahead to uh, the season that's to come here in the NHL. But joining me once again on the podcast is the little brother himself, CJOB's Tyson Rowicki. Tyson, how is it going tonight? Oh, it's going great. Just enjoying some uh, Broncos. Broncos. Uh, it's it's so watch. it's so bad. Your brain short circuited there. Yeah, I just forgot who was playing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, it was Broncos and Bombers. I don't know. So, but yeah, that's. I mean, we, we we're recording this at halftime right now. I, I don't think. Either of us are going to tune into the second half of this game, but yeah, it's it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad when Jets Flames preseason hockey is a trillion times more interesting than an actual <laughs> NFL regular season game. Now, let's get into that Calgary Winnipeg contest. Here, we'll break down some of the key storylines because it it really was, for all intents and purposes, our first glimpse at essentially what the Winnipeg Jets roster is, is mainly going to look like for the regular season. Plus, you know, the final few battles for those last couple of roster spots for the Jets. Um, but before we get into that, there was one thing that popped out the most to me. And I, I would call this my biggest takeaway from the game. But I want to get your take on it first. You were at the arena watching, working, watching the game. Don't give me a big breakdown here, but did you have like a single big takeaway, like one thing that stood out to the most to you in that in that contest? Well, it was kind of a weird game, right? The scoreboard would show that the Jets kind of just dominated the whole game, 
but there was large portions throughout that game where Calgary would just have sustained pressure in the in the ozone. To me, it would just seemed like there was some times where Dave Riddick actually came up huge and made some really big saves, and he looked a lot better than he has in previous preseason outings. Riddick was really good, actually. That I mean, he, I was pleasantly surprised, especially he was pretty shaky early on in the in the preseason. So it was good to see him get back on track. There, he was, you know, probably the first star of the game, and and yeah, let, let's hope he continues that into the regular season. So hell, he's in playing seventy plus games, but. The reason I ask you that question, and, and you kind of failed to answer it there, so thanks for that. <laughs> but my biggest takeaway wasn't Hanela versus Sandberg versus Stanley or Morgan Barron on the third line or anything like that. The thing that stood out the most to me was Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor were back-checking their asses off in the game. It It shouldn't be something that... We we take note of because that's kind of the that's kind of like the bare minimum that that's like doing your job as a forward to an extent right like you shouldn't be celebrating that that somebody's putting the effort but compared to where it was last season night and day between those two and they could have look they could have coasted because it was an exhibition game and, and nobody really cares all that much but the reason it stood out to me so much is just that. Rick Bonus wasn't shy in, in calling a number of his his star veterans out. I, I believe it was the first preseason game, saying the shift length was too long. We need to break some bad habits. It's it's time to, essentially, it's it's time to start playing like a legitimate professional hockey team. And it sure as hell looked to me like those two in particular took that message to heart. And seeing Shifley in particular. I don't know that that to me more so than than Lambert flying all over the place or name your youngster stepping up that that to me is probably the most impactful thing. I think I've seen this entire preseason and it really, really bodes well if you're a fan and, and hoping that this team finds a way to reverse their fortunes and get back into the postseason. Yeah, it's only a preseason game, but the Jets and Flames are both icing pretty close to their to their game day rosters in that last game. So Shifley was going up against Huberto, and that line, yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think it's very promising to see that there's starting to be some sort of buy-in to Bonus's system. Obviously, it's not going to come overnight. There were some issues, and like there was some transition defense issues there. But Nola, Sandberg, they held their own in that game. There wasn't there wasn't anything crazy to go over, but you know, like there was some. I was just overall happy with the Jets in this in this one. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting too because I was on Winnipeg Sports Talk with with Hustler and Remus today, and Hus mentioned that the shift length for the big dogs in this game, I think, was in and around 40, 45 seconds-ish long. And if you'll remember going back to the first preseason game, Rick Bonus infamously saying, we got guys skating for longer than 55 seconds out there, and that's not going to fly anymore. I think that was a not-so-subtle jab at a certain uh, a certain assistant captain on this team. And it's just, it's it's interesting, and I, th- I think a really, really good sign to me that a message like that was received early on, it was taken positively, and then you're seeing actual change being implemented because of it. And in my opinion... Look, Hellebuck is is clearly this team's most important player. Any star goalie is going to be their team's most important player. But I, I truly believe if the Jets want to be a playoff team this year, they're going to need Mark Shifley playing at his absolute peak at every single end of the ice. 
neutral zone, defensive zone, offense. It, it can't just be put up 80 points and be happy with your season. They're going to need a lot more out of him. And, I, and that, that to me was why those few instances in particular were, were so impactful because if that continues, and look, it can change. It could be 10 games in and all of a sudden the bad habits go back to what they were and we've got a bit of a crisis on our hands. But at, at least at least the vibes are at a, a high level right now, I feel like. There's just a lot of positive momentum. And I give all the credit in the world to Rick Bonus on this, who was, you know, I think given too much on his plate to try to deal with. And, and maybe he's been the star of this preseason because he's pushing all the right buttons. He's saying all the right words. And, you know, for the most part, Winnipeg's playing some some pretty solid hockey. And shout out to assistant coaches Scott Arneal and Brad Lauer, too. They're, they're running the special teams and making, like, the power play last night. Or, yeah, last night was absolutely dynamite. Sam Gagne! Yes, yeah, Sam Gagne. <laughs> I mean, there's not a chance that he's going to be in that on that first unit, I think, just because Wheeler was out that... uh Okay, wait. Let me let me stop you there. Why? Why? Why not? Like, why? You know what I mean? Like, sure, he's not. He's not making eight schmill, and he's not playing nineteen minutes a night. But like, man, the, the, the dude could pass it. Like, he was finding the seams. He was setting up. And, and there's more than enough talent there. That if you just have a, a guy that's more than adequate at distributing the puck, they're going to get some some pretty high end scoring chances, and they're going to pot a, a hell of a ton of goals but like i don't know why why can't sam gagne be on that first power play unit if if what we saw last night is going to be the norm moving forward well and sam gagne has one of the most underrated power play shots that half clapper <laughs> short side on the right side along the ice or not along the ice just on just on the right side that's money he some somehow he's always able just to pick that corner and yeah like just you see that skill kind of exude of why he was a top 10 pick and why he scored eight points in an NHL game. He still he still has those silky mitts in him. I forgot about the eight-pointer. That, that's that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's gonna happen in Winnipeg, but man, the, the, the dude can still run, he can still run a power play unit. I mean, at worst, I'd feel pretty damn good about Gagne being the PP2, not not quarterback, but essentially the general on the half wall there, let him run that power play unit. And I, I don't think there's going to be too many issues with the man advantage for Winnipeg this year, regardless of, of who's out there. And I've always thought this too, you know, it's, it, it's funny because what, you know, when you look basically throughout all of hockey history, what do coaches generally put on their fourth line and their third D pair? Right. Just the uh, grinders, the, just checkers, grind, grinder, checkers, PK specialists, right? Like, just you know what? They're they're not worried about offense. We're just going to put guys in there. They can kill penalties. They'll open up some time for for the stars up front. But I've always wondered, like, the power play is just as important. Like, why why not give any thought to having a power play specialist on your fourth line? And I I think I don't know if the Jets planned this, but I think they're onto something here. And I'll tell you what. If they want to roll with a first unit that includes Gagne, Connor, Ehlers, Chifley, and then Morrissey or whoever the defenseman is up at the top there, I, I, I'm okay. People might people might ridicule the Jets for having 33, 34-year-old Sam Gagne out there. I'm not going to do that. If he plays like he did against Calgary, I'm, I'm 100% down with having him on that first unit. Plus, it sets you up with the second unit of Dubois, Wheeler, Perfetti, I mean, it depends if they want to go four forwards, one D, but 
you know, even those three, and then you you have Pionk Schmidt out there. Uh, that's that's a damn good second unit. It, it was a savvy little, a sneaky little pickup by Chevy to bring Gagne in. Oh, and Detroit laid out the blueprint for how to use Sam Gagne too last year in that kind of Swiss Army knife role because he took on some big pa- uh, penalty kill responsibilities too in Detroit, and he actually performed pretty well for a guy who's not who's notably notably never been a PK specialist or even a D zone specialist. So. I, there, there might still be a little bit more that you can sneak out of Sam Gagne this season. Yeah, you must have Stevie Y. Like, you want me to do what? <laughs> I, I had a five on fours, on, four on fives on my thing. But hey, if, if, if it's good enough for Stevie Y, then I think it should be good enough for us here at Winnipeg. Now, it's kind of interesting. We spent just over 10 minutes here not talking about really the main roster matchup that everybody has been talking and clamoring about all exhibition and training camp long and we're pretty much you know i i imagine the final game on the weekend here we're going to see the jets starting lineup take place so tice sandberg hanala stanley only one spot in the top six what were your takeaways from last night's game and has there been a victor for that final spot inside the top six for you? Well, all I have to say is I'm glad I'm not the one that has to make that decision because, man, like, all three guys had some pros in their games that last night. There was also some cons. I think if I had to pick, I would roll with Dylan Sandberg on that third pairing. I just, you just got to see what you have in these guys. And Logan Stanley, he's just, he's shown that he still has some ability <laughs> it's like I'm I'm not trying to to like tarp on the guy but there's just I, I feel like you know what he is he's not gonna get not gonna reach that first round pick that everyone kind of thought that he was gonna be he's not gonna be that kind of top four guy that defensive stalwart but he's a guy that serves a purpose on your team but I think it's time for him to just to take a step back and just let Dylan Sandberg kind of roll with that third pairing and hey I mean, if Dylan Sandberg shows that he's not quite ready for the responsibilities, then it's always you can send him back to the Moose. You can have him watch a couple games. It's not going to kill him. But in my opinion, I think we, it's about time that we see what we have with Dylan Sandberg. And Billy Hanola, I think he could just use a little bit more time in the minors. I know it's not what people want to hear, obviously, with a first-round pick. But there's cases around the league of, play, of teams sending down their young D-men to the minors. And I think that it's just a... It's a matter of decision-making and making those decisions quicker. And I think that he just needs to get a little bit more used to that higher pace. And I know like, I know that he played most of the season in the, in the AHL last year. I know that he's proven that he can put up points in that league. But it's just a repetition thing. It's just about getting those reps in, facing those high-pressure situations. And on the moves, he's going to be playing a big role for that team, too, a team that's going to be good next year. And I just think that's going to, that's going to help in the long run for Hanola. Instead of plopping on the, on the third pairing, maybe you get some power play time, but who knows with Morrissey and Pionk. I just think it's it's better to roll with Sandberg and kind of let the kids start to take the reins a little bit on the back end. So it's interesting what you say with Vili there. Because you're like you're right. Like there there are a lot of his errors, I think, are related to the pace of play, where you're you're afforded a little more time in the A to make decisions to move the puck out. And he can struggle sometimes, especially in his own zone with with guys getting on him, an inability to maybe escape the forecheck, different things like that. 
So you're right there. But the problem is he's he's only going to be able to learn that in the NHL, <laughs> right? Like that's it, I, I you're you're not wrong, but it's kind of, it's just it's the spot the Jets have put themselves in with the roster they've put together that there's there's just not a good answer to their to their youth defenseman problem right now like they need two spots that like that's what it is they need two spots open they don't have them and the three defensemen there that we touched on haven't broken down the doors whatsoever like they've in a way they've kind of made bones's decision here pretty easy and that he's only going to take one of them in the top six because neither of the three there warranted by their play you know, a trade of a veteran or healthy scratching one of the veteran, right? Like, I, I think I think you're only going to put one of them in the lineup right now. And I I would agree with you. I think it's it's Dylan Sandberg for me. I think out of the three, he's got the best all around game. Um, I don't I don't even know if he. I mean, ceiling wise, it's pretty close between him and Villy. It's just Hanelon when he gets the puck on his stick in the offensive zone is is a really really special talent. Like he makes a lot of smart plays, and and he would be a great asset on the second power play as well. It, it's just, are you willing to deal with the mistakes and the errors and potentially a few goals against in your own end, offsetting some of that? That I mean that that kind of comes down to to what you what you value in a hockey team. So it's it's a difficult decision. But I, I think for me, it's it's more so what Sandberg showed in his 15 games with the Jets last year, mostly playing second pair time with Neil Pionk, as to why I would give him the inside track for one of the starting spots, as opposed to anything he did in the preseason, where I think he was just meh. Like, I think it, I, it wasn't a great preseason for Dylan Sandberg, but I'll just lean on what he did last year and, and give him a chance to roll with a spot inside that top six. What I would, what I think would be best for for all of them, honestly, is... You know, if one of the veterans were either to go down with injury or if there was a trade to to bring in some more talent up front, to have your third pair be Dylan Sandberg and Vili Hanela with Vili on his offside, like we saw in that game against Calgary. To me, that's the optimal situation. You could shelter them, give them offensive zone starts, put Hanela in a position to succeed, and Sandberg can kind of, you know, sit back, play a little more of an at-home style game, and they both maybe play to each other's strengths there. To me, that would be the ideal situation. But, you know, with the play out of those two in the preseason, you're, you're not going to healthy scratch any of the, the five vets ahead of them. And I don't imagine a trade is is likely at this point either. So I, I anticipate that we will see Vili head to the Moose. I think Sandberg and Stanley stay up with the Jets there. Kappa Bianco goes on waivers as well. And and that's just, that's just the, the hand that's been dealt here. And it sucks for Vili, but also at the same time, a little more stronger play, maybe less valleys as opposed to stronger play, a little more consistency out of him this preseason, probably would have got him a spot to start the season with the big club here. So um, I guess disappointing from a Jets fan's perspective in that you were hoping one of the three would step up and be like, hey, this is my job. I'm taking it. There's no questions about it. You're going to have to wait your turn uh, because I, by my play, have taken over here. We didn't see that, so we're kind of left to um, just hope for the best here with those three youngsters. Um, but that's going to do it for the breakdown of the preseason game against Calgary on Wednesday. We'll wrap up this episode here with some more predictions before we get into our big regular season bonanza show on Tuesday. But before we do that, 
Let's give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook with a big time deal for you to take advantage with hockey season just day away. That's right, just day away because we're getting a prog game on Friday afternoon between what is it, San Jose, Nashville? I'm, I'm that excited for it. I don't even know who's playing. But whether it's Friday, whether it's next week, new customers with DraftKings Sportsbook can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if that team wins. Plus, same game parlays will allow you to take multiple bets, goals, wins, hits, pims, whatever it is, your shot at a bigger payout is on tap with DraftKings Sportsbook. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Excuse me, I'm getting all choked up. The disclaimers got me in some kind of a mood here. All right, award predictions, Tyson. We did pretty good at these, or actually you weren't a part of this. I did pretty good at this last year. So we'll see if I can uh, find a way to, I, I you know, bold predictions wasn't really my thing. Regular season predictions wasn't so hot either, but award predictions I got a pretty good track record at. So we'll see if I can double down on that. Um, pretty close, actually, to I think nailing all of the big awards. I had I think the one I whiffed on was Markstrom for the uh, for the Vesna, and he I think it was a top five finish for yeah, him. So not, well, yeah. not a bad miss. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. So do you want to start? Should we start with the big dog first? MVP. Should, yeah, we, should we go there and then make our way down? We'll do. We'll do our, our our prediction, our pick for each award, and then a dark horse as well. If you want to bet a little moolah on some of these, because there are some juicy odds. Um, Vegas doesn't really care about hockey all that much, so you might be able to take advantage if there's a guy you like. Uh, but let's start with the MVP. For me, going down on a limb, Connor McDavid gets every vote this year. <laughs> what else is there to say? He's the best player in hockey. I think I think we're going to see his best season yet. I think Edmonton will kind of cruise to a playoff spot. That's really the only thing that that's cost them a, a hard trophy before is them not making the playoffs. And I think I think we see McDavid for sure over 130. He might touch 140 this year. And I, I just don't think it's going to be much of a close race at all. Do you see it the same way? I do. I do. There's not too much yeah. to add on that. McDavid's the best player in hockey. He's going he's gonna to come back with a vengeance this year, I think. So do you have a dark horse then? A non-McDavid category. Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, down in Carolina, Raleigh, Sebastian Ajo at 33-1 to 1 odds. That's I so ab- funny. I absolutely love Sebastian Ajo this year. I think he's going to be a massive player. I mean, I predicted the Hurricanes to win the President's Trophy in one of my with one of my bold predictions. So I'm really with Ajo. I think him and Svechnikov have an absolutely huge year this year. That's a good... See, now I was thinking... I was going to go Carolina, like someone on Carolina, but the problem is like Aho just doesn't get enough points. So he's going to have to, he's going to have to put up like 110 or something like that to have a chance. Uh, but yeah, Carolina is an absolute unit. Uh, my, my dark horse pick. I mean, it depends how dark horsey you want to go. You know, Jack Hughes isn't too far down the board there. I mean, he, he was on pace for like a hundred points last year. If, if he stays healthy, and he can drag the Devils into the playoffs. Sometimes those kind of guys can take away, 
you know, even if there is, say, like a 20-point gap between him and McDavid, if if the Oilers struggle a little bit and if Jack Hughes and the Devils sneak into the playoffs, I think he's not a bad pick. But my actual dark horse, he wasn't on the board in one of the ones I looked at. How about the old man Patrice Bergeron? Wow. Because, you know, more and more voters are becoming analytically knowledgeable. And with Marshawn and McAvoy out to start the year, there's going to be a lot more put on Bergeron's shoulders right now. If he puts up 80, 90 points, wins the Selkie, drags the Bruins into the playoffs with the other big dogs on the team missing a bunch of time, that might be a nice way for him to go out is picking up a hard trophy on his way out the door. So take a look at those if you want a long shot odd because spending on McDavid is just kind of a, a waste of money. There's not really much to win with, with Connor McDavid. Uh, let's go to the Vesna. I say, I would say the one award that a Winnipeg Jet has an actual, well, there's a couple, but I think this is the best chance for a Winnipeg Jet to take home some hardware here. Do you have Hellebuck grabbing his second Vesna trophy, Tice? Uh, I don't, unfortunately. And I, I don't really have a dark horse either for this pick because I think my original pick is a bit of a dark horse. And I'm going with Thatcher Demko. Okay. I think Vancouver is going to take a big step this year. And it's actually not the not the only Canuck I'm going to pick for these awards coming up. But I, th- I think Vancouver's due for a really good year this year. That's so dumb. Why Picking two Canucks, that's so dumb. I can't wait to see who that's going to be. Um, I went, I mean, I, I'm a big UC Soros fan. I like little goalies. Like you actually have, I mean, they're all athletic. But it's nice to see a little guy go out there and get the job done. Uh, and he's he, he's kind of in that he's due for an award win sort of a player, like the, the Drew Doughty with the Norris a few years ago. So I'm going to go with Soros to win the, the Vesna there. My dark horse is actually Darcy Kemper. I think Washington has a chance to win a ton of games. He's always got sneaky good numbers. And if he puts together a nice little season in front of Lavi and the Caps, I, I wouldn't mind sprinkling a couple dollars on Kemper, who's outside the top 10 in terms of Vesna odds. Um, the MVP was pretty easy. Is the Norris even easier, Tyson? Yeah, unfortunately. Is this just, is, have we just officially entered Bobby or Kale McCarr territory here where you just pencil him in before the season starts for the next, you know, half dozen years? I mean, yeah, he's just, he's McDavid on defense. That's yeah. like, it's, it's just levels to, to his skill and it's just he's just on another stratosphere compared to these other guys it's still i still laugh when people refer to the abs as mckinnon's team and it's like dude he's the second best player on his team yeah. <laughs> like no, no offense but mccarr is a lot closer to mcdavid than he is to mckinnon uh yeah it's 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 just not going to be close barring barring full health there um my dark horse I don't know if he's going to put the points up, but I'm kind of going with your MVP pick vibe here. I'm going to go with Jacob Slavin. Maybe maybe eventually a guy that plays high-end defense will get some recognition for this award. Bakar is pretty damn good in his own end, but I've always been a big fan of Slavin. He's perpetually the most underrated player in hockey, so I'll I'll go with him as a dark horse, even though there's no point on betting on anybody other than Bakar. Yeah, no point on betting, and for my dark horse, I went with Miro Heiskanen. I think that he's got a... He's oh, got a <laughs> dark horse. He's like the... 
What kind of <laughs> do you like the, the lightning as a dark horse cup team this year? <laughs> Anyone's a dark horse yeah. for this award. Yeah. He's like, that, okay. He's got like the seven best odds. So at that point, it's like, why not? I think Fair, yeah. <laughs> anyway, not named Kale McCarr as a dark horse for the doors <laughs> this year. Um, let's go to the Rocket. There's, I mean, there's only a handful of guys that I think have realistic shots at this. Kyle Connor might be one of them, if you think so. Um, does Austin Matthews repeat for you? Yes, he does. I got Mac Daddy. Oh, I think I think McDavid breaks fifty this year. I I think he gives a run at sixty. To be honest with you, I, that I, that would be a hell of a battle to to watch McDavid and Matthews go toe to toe for the crown. Um, let me ask you this: Do you think Kyle Connor hits fifty this year? I do. I do think he's going to hit fifty very confidently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I do. I'm not on my fantasy team, so I got to oh, hope. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I I'm going to say no, and I think only because he sees a reduction in ice time. He played he played twenty one forty six a game last year, which is an insane amount for a non McDavid forward. Um, you know, he could have a great season. He could he could put up ninety two points a game, ninety two points again this year but play 20 minutes a game and ultimately have like a more efficient season this year. Um, my dark horse Jets fans will love this. Uh, but I did say in my bold predictions that Patty line, would go 50, 50 this year. <laughs> so if he's going 50, 50, he's got a chance at, you know, 60, maybe take it home. The rocket. If some of the other guys get cold for a while. So Patty line is, I think he's always going to be my dark horse long shot for the, for the rocket as long as he's in the league <laughs> I did, oh, he will at one point for sure i i just hope patty and johnny gujo light it up i just love to see patty hit 50 but my dark horse my, my this is probably my favorite bet and i absolutely love pasta to win the rocket richard at oh. 22 to 1 22 to 1 are the odds to win it's the pretty rocket. good odds yeah yeah and his over under for his goals on the season is only 40 40 and a half for his total goal season He's going into a contract. Oh, year. that's what. Yeah, yeah. He's going into a contract year, and I think he's just gonna want to get paid. He's just that. He's got the swag, and he's gonna want to take that upper echelon and be a be an award winner and get that payday, baby. Contract, yeah. Contract always. I know people don't like you know fantasy tips from from non fantasy experts. Always draft the contract year players and watch your team run to the championship game. That's that's a, I love that. But that's your best pick so far. Heiskanen <laughs> as a dark horse suck, but that's a really good one. I like that taste. Um, <laughs> let's go to the caller here. Now, is this the one that a Winnipeg Jet has the best chance to win? Because Cole Perfetti, as it stands right now, has the fourth best odds, I believe. So he's he's right in the mix right now to start the year. 12 to 1. Those are pretty solid odds for him. Are you rolling on that? I'll probably sprinkle, but my pick's got a little better odds, honestly. He's got he's listed at 25 to 1. I'm gonna go with Andre Kuzmenko from the Vancouver Canucks. He's playing, with, he's playing with Elias Pedersen right now. He's had an absolutely fantastic camp, absolutely fantastic preseason. And he's a guy that's played against men. He's a, he's a little older. I believe he's I believe he's 25. And so I think he's going to take a real oh. run. Of the, I think he's going to take a real run of the call there, like Artemi Panarin did. He's twenty six. Yeah. <laughs> God, like what are what are we doing here? <laughs> oh my gosh, Panarin! I got Panarin to win the Calder this year. I, no, <laughs> I, 
it, uh, to me, if you play in a pro league, like it should be automatic disqualification. Like it's just, it's insane that he's even eligible for it. Oh, but that's 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 a sneaky pick because I I didn't I just assumed somebody that was 26 years old couldn't go up against you know 18, 19, 20 year olds. Um, I you know I'm a big big fan. I liked him in the World Juniors. He was even better for Seattle at the end of last year. I think he might be the odds-on favorite, but I'm, I'm going Matty Beniers all the way. I, I'm, I, I think he's going to have a massive, massive season. It's funny because he was he was billed as this kind of like low-end, do-it-all guy. It's like, well, have you watched him? He's, he's flying around and dangling everywhere. Like, I don't know. He's got the offensive skills to go along with it. So I, I think, honestly, I think we're going to see the top three of the top four, for me, are going to be right in there. I'm not so sure on McTavish. He's on the third line in Anaheim. I don't think he's going to play enough. But I think Perfetti has every chance to, to go in there and, and, and grab this award. I think Owen Power is going to be great too. Um, but my dark horse, there's always a goalie that sneaks into these, right? And I'm, I'm going to kind of go down your path here, Tice. Probably shouldn't be eligible, but he is. So why not go with it? But Logan Thompson of the Golden Knights is up for the Rookie of the Year award. He's going to be the starting goalie for a team that might get 100 points this year. And so if he plays 50-some-odd games, has himself a decent season, he's going to be right in the mix to uh, to pick up some hardware there. So I like him as a long shot. I think he was 33-1 to 1 odds. So Yeah, that, that's um, a great pick, too. That was one I was eyeing, too, but I, I picked Vegas to crash and burn, so I can't. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Um, two more to go here. Let's go with the final player award, the Selkie, aka the Burgie. It does does the old man cap off his career with with one last win there? Yeah, I'm gonna go with Bergeron. Just combined with the analytics, the storyline, the voters always vote for him anyways. It just seems like it's lining up for one final Selkie season for Bergeron. I agree. I, I agree. I mean, I I picked him as a long shot for the heart. <laughs> there's there's just no one better. Like, th- this award should immediately be renamed after him once he's retired because he and it's crazy that last year might have been his best year ever. Yeah, like, he, he could play till he was in it. He could do the Chara, honestly. I think he's not going to, but I think he could. Uh, do you have a dark horse in this one? Yeah, my dark horse would be Elias Lindholm on Calgary. I think that's <laughs> okay. Okay, I didn't think he was in the top five last year, but dark horse, okay. Okay, you picked uh, here. Here, <laughs> do you want a dark? I'll give you a dark horse. Okay, I'll make up for it here because he's probably not on the board. I'm gonna go with Mitch Marner. Wow, Mitchie, <laughs> Mitchie plays a ton of the penalty kill. If he goes out and scores like ten shorties or something like that, Toronto market loves themselves. Uh, a story along those lines. I, I mean, it's not going to happen. It's Bergeron's to lose. If a winger's going to win it, it's going to be Mark Stone. But Mitch Marner's a, a sneaky good defensive forward. I, I really think he is. You should um, pick him to be the, your dark horse for the Norris after after. Some- oh yeah, <laughs> that's right. Damn it, that's that's gonna he's gonna be like the new Taysom Hill fantasy chief, like Mitch Marner at defense somehow. Um, one more award to get to before we uh, round off the show, Tice. Um, but again, I think a Winnipeg Jet could potentially be in the mix for this. But the Jack Adams for Coach of the Year, I I'm good at picking this one. I'm not good at picking which coach gets fired. You're good at picking which coach gets fired, but I don't know how good you are at picking this award. So I'm intrigued to see who you're going to go with. 
Uh, I'm going to mold my dark horse and pick into one here, and I'm going to go with Derek Lalonde in Detroit. Nice. I, I think that Detroit, I picked them to make the playoffs. I So I think that the storyline, I mean, that's the thing with coach of the year too. It's not necessarily who's actually it's the best storyline. Yeah, because otherwise John Cooper would win it almost every okay. year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm going to go with Derek Lalonde. I think it's a good story in Detroit. I think, I mean, you'd be taking a team full of guys who really haven't played together that much because they've added so many guys this offseason, and you just be building kind of like a core, just a core, trying to find the right word here, like a core leadership group. Like, like a core? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know. Like, I, I think Lalonde's a good pick. If Detroit gets in, he's he's going to be one of the top three finalists, right? Like, there's, yeah. there's no way about that. So that's – I can get down with that. Um, I will say this about the Jack Adams. If the Jets do get in, I think Rick Bonus wins. And I think he should win because he will almost single-handedly get this team back into the postseason. Plus, the, I mean, the coach of the year is almost always directly tied to a league leader in save percentage. And if Hellebuck does that, then I think Rick Bonus is going to, rightly or wrongly, get a ton of credit for the Jets' success. Uh, I'm all in on Vegas, as you know, so I'm going to go with Bruce Cassidy as my Jack Adams pick, but I, I think bonus is a worthwhile long shot, especially if you're really confident with the Jets' chances of getting back into the postseason here. Actually, my long shot is is John Tortorella, and it's not to win Coach of the Year, but it's not to physically assault one of his players after 15 games as the Flyers start the year 1-14. That would actually be great. I would be happy if they started 1-14. I, I don't think they will, but... Um, there's some good oh, odds there. There's yeah. some good odds there if you wanted that team to finish last. I think oh, yeah. Like 17 to 1. Sprinkle. Don't, yeah, don't, don't sprinkle. Don't, don't sprinkle salt bay that all over <laughs> finishing dead last. Put the Flyers way down. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the episode here. Tice, thanks again for stopping by. You're going you're gonna to show your face for the big regular season prediction show on Tuesday? Oh, 100%. I can't wait. I can't wait to get to predict who gets fired first this year. Ah, uh, there we go. Yeah, that's gonna, we're gonna want to tune into that one because three years running, I think Tyson's picked the first coach that gets fired. So we'll see. Kiss of death. Kiss of death. death, baby. All right. So, yeah, that, that's where we'll leave it here. And that's a little preview of what's to come. We'll get back at it after the weekend on Tuesday, make our final predictions for the regular season, including whether or not the Winnipeg Jets will get back into the postseason. Until then, though, Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Skates and Plates right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Thanks again to CJOB's Tyson Rewicki for stopping by. Enjoy your weekend. Have a great, safe, and happy time. Peace.